Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. First of all, Happy New Year. Oh, my gosh. 2023. <laughs> Next year, if we're all still living, let's keep this show going. huh? But for now, it's a brand new year, and I have my first guest, Chelsea Wolf. Chelsea Wolf is a singer-songwriter whose music is hard to describe, but when you hear it, you know it's just good music. It's witchy, it's ambient, it's goth, it's metal, it's industrial, it's a lot, and I love it. She and I are going to talk about our own practice of witchcraft, our own experiences with sobriety, our own early roots uh, leading us to these professions we now live in, and um, it's a very lovely, heartfelt, nice, genuine conversation. That's what we're all about here at Hijinks. So buckle up, hunker down, and sink your teeth into some brand new Hijinks. M. Oh. M. Mom. everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by songwriter and musician Chelsea Wolf. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, Jinx. How are you? Where are you? What time is it? What's going on? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thanks for inviting <laughs> me on. <laughs> I'm so happy to be talking with you. Um, it's an honor. You're wonderful. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm at home right now in Northern California. We've been getting really wild storms. It's been like raining and intense winds and trees falling. And then randomly, like an hour ago, it just started snowing, which is like Kind of perfect, actually. I just feel like I'm in a little snow globe talking to you, so it's great. <laughs> um, is it snowy enough that, like, everything's canceled and no one's doing anything? Or is, it's, like, life moving on? I normal? think life will move on, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where in the where are you at? Oh, I'm in... Well, I was just going to say in the Pacific Northwest, specifically... Seattle. I think Seattle's worse, but Portland's guilty of it too. But first sign of snow, everyone's like, well, that's it. Well, I'll see you next <laughs> month. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. Currently, I am in Brooklyn. Um, oh. I'm in the midst of my rehearsals for the show Chicago. And, um, wow. You know, it's still, uh, we, we won't spend much time talking about that. It'll just no, pop it's up amazing, actually, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is one of those surreal experiences where it's like, it's simultaneously exactly what I've always dreamt of. And then also like, oh, this is just like doing any other show. I just happen to be doing it on the biggest platform in the theater world, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's wild. Congratulations. 
Have you had moments like that in your career where it simultaneously feels surreal, but then also like old hat? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. It's kind of always that way, huh? Because yeah. I think it's like what we do is so intrinsic to us. Like we were just born to do it. But at the same time, sometimes I'm just like, this is so strange that this is my job to be up here in front of all these people. Oh my gosh. I I think about how weird my job is all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's the best. It's um, really the best. You, you were mentioning, you know, um, being born to do something. You started songwriting at a very early age. And I have a, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you wrote your first song at age nine and you described it as basically Casio-based gothy R&B songs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Does that sound right? (laughs) Yeah. My dad um, is a musician and had like a home studio, just like, you know, one little bedroom kind of home studio Mm -hmm. while I was growing up. And um, him and his band would practice and write. And yeah, eventually I just kind of started getting curious and like wandering in there and messing around with the with the little Casio keyboard that was in there. Mm-hmm. And my dad taught me the basics and I started writing songs. Most of my first songs were actually more like bizarre covers, which I still kind of have a ten- tendency <laughs> to do, like take <laughs> taking a song that I've heard, you know, a few times and just writing my own weird version of it. Um, like I did a version of like the theme to that movie, The NeverEnding Story, that was like <laughs> called like <laughs> called like NeverEnding Love or something when I was really uh-huh. young. It's hilarious, but uh, yeah, that was kind of like how I got started. I love that. I I I feel like yes, people who like have always been drawn to the performing arts all have very similar stories of the weird early forms mm-hmm. <laughs> of what they currently do. But like as kids, the weird version, you know, like making my, 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 my brothers and cousins and everyone dress up and make them put on a play <laughs> that no one cares about except for me. You know? Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's kind of funny because it's like, we're really doing the exact same thing. Just then like a heightened version of it. Like I still yeah. just record in my bedroom most of the time, but, um, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to some of your music um, right before our chat right now. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, um, some of it will be going on my uh, current go-to playlist, which is titled, I'm very proud of this, Fem Top Fall. Um, yes. <laughs> and this playlist is um, kind of more moody, uh, very witchy. Uh, mm-hmm. Most most of it's kind of like, um, we've got a witchy, spooky element to it. Some of it's a little like campier. Um, some of it's from the 60s. But um, uh, I, I, I think that your music fits right into this playlist, Femme Top Fall. How would you describe your your music? Do you still describe it as Casio-based R&B students <laughs> got R&B songs? Definitely not. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's so hard for me to describe my own music because I I go back and forth between being very much just like singer-songwriter, acoustic folk, 
um, just me and my acoustic guitar and mm -hmm. trying to just kind of really like distill the essence of a subject into um, my version of a folk song. And then I also play a lot with like my full band, which is very much like rock and roll, but blending elements of electronic music and goth and mm -hmm. metal. <laughs> so I really kind of like to infuse different genres into my own thing. So it's always been like difficult to just be like, what is your music? But um, yeah, you I know, have fun with it. What I'll say, like, you know, being a queer kid growing up in a queer nightclub scene, mm -hmm. <laughs> there was um, uh, the nightclub I frequented the most, The Escape, um, in my mm -hmm. early days, um, had a goth metal room. And I would always go wow. in there every once in a while to just kind of check out the scene and see if uh -huh. I'm missing out on anything in the goth metal room. <laughs> and what I'll say is everything you just mentioned as elements to your music, I absolutely hear it there but it's not as aggressive and maybe um <laughs> mm -hmm. kind of like uh confronting as um other music in those genres <laughs> and That's i found true, yeah. it very I, I found it very you know like nice you know like <laughs> like it was nice and ambient and had you know a very clear voice but then also had all of the elements that you're talking about so now mm. I can say I'm into metal music, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Love that. First of all, what? the escape the escape oh. room sounds amazing, and that's um, <gasps> I definitely want my music played in the goth metal room. Um, <laughs> but I also I also just quickly I like that observation about the the aggressiveness or or mm -hmm. not aggressiveness because I do think that <laughs> there is a lot of like aggressive energy in, in these genres and I, I do like a lot of that I like stuff that feels like challenging to listen to sometimes but mm. I think in my music I wanted it to feel a little bit more like trance like like there's a lot of repetitive stuff and there's a lot mm. of loudness I suppose but um it's not meant to feel like an attack it's meant to feel like something that you can sort of like lose yourself into you know yeah, absolutely. And that's absolutely what I hear yeah. from it. That's and that's awesome. like, yeah. you know, like, cause you have different music for different moods. It's like, I have to mm -hmm. listen to show tunes to start my day because that's how I like get <laughs> yeah. up and go. Yes. And then, you know, I got like my sexier music for different mm -hmm. situations. <laughs> but then you have that music that you want to put on when you kind of like there are, every once in a while you find music where you want to just lay down and listen to it and just let mm -hmm. your mind wander while you're listening to it. And that's yeah. where I feel, um, from <laughs> from my humble assessment, it feels like your music easily lives in that realm. Oh, um, that's great. And um, as we're talking about it, it kind of fits in, I have here in my notes, um, uh, while describing writing your music, um, you said, I've always approached writing music in sort of a cinematic way, at least in my own head. Often I write with my eyes closed, envisioning a scene or shapes or colors. And I don't, I, I don't consider myself a music writer, but that's kind of, I always think of when I'm writing like scripts, I think of it as the movie version first and foremost. Like if it were a movie, mm. what would everything look like and what would everyone do and how would they enter the room? And then I like adjust it from there to the project that I'm working on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Totally. Yeah, I resonate. I feel like um, 
I don't, yeah, it's like, even if it's, again, a song about a simple t- subject, it's like, I'm kind of imagining the most like grand movie version of it as I'm writing, <laughs> writing it, trying to mm-hmm. like spread it outwards as I'm, as I'm writing it. But uh. Yeah, I am. Um... I, I really like when music, like, I mean, for me, the music that resonates the most with me is stuff that, like, I can actually feel inside me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. Do you know how certain chords, there's, like, certain songs where I listen to it, and it doesn't matter how many times I've heard it, the chord prog- progression makes me cry. Yeah. <laughs> Have you experienced <laughs> that? And do you draw upon... Um, kind of our visceral visceral reactions to music in, in your work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, sorry. I'm just like, no, that's a good... <laughs> for a second I got distracted trying to think about the stuff that makes me cry. And I was like, thinking, I was thinking about like Johan Johansson, who's like done a lot of mm-hmm. um, film scores. and But um, yeah, I think in my own music, I have this thing that happens sometimes um, where it's almost like, I'm comforting myself like in a sort of like inner mother, inner child sort of way. Um, I love where that. Where I, I, I've, I've said it before where I feel like I, I kind of like become my own mother's voice. And like, I don't mean like my mother in real life. I mean like my inner mother. I don't the think proverbial said, mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, sometimes that's made me a little bit emotional because it's just like this, this, I don't know, sort of self-regulation tool through writing music and it just feels very like full circle and very yeah just like good and comforting (laughs) that that's really cool to hear I absolutely love that because I think um I think sometimes I am definitely writing my material for my younger self like I wish someone had done a monologue about this when Mm -hmm. I was 18 so that I knew this going into my 20s or something you know and uh, like specifically what you were speaking about writing a song for yourself like from yourself to yourself Um, I was really lucky to get to work with um, my colleague Bendela Krem, who I work with mm-hmm. annually on our holiday show, um, yeah. we have a, a song that we put out as a single this year for the holiday season called "Looking at the Lights," which uh-huh. was essentially a lullaby that Dela wrote for herself for me to sing to her. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! And that, it, it was a really—it's like I never. It's really fun when you get to work intimately with someone mm-hmm. um, on music where it's like they're trusting you with something that they put a lot of themselves into. Um, do yeah. you collaborate often or are you um, mostly solo in your work or strictly solo even? <laughs> yeah, I collaborate a lot, actually. I mean, I have my yeah. bandmates. Um, my main collaborator is Ben Chisholm. I've been working with him for I guess, 13 plus years at this point. And we write a lot together. Um, I consider him like the co-producer of this project. And um, yeah. and then I also work a lot with my friend and drummer, Jess Gowrie. We've known each other for even longer than I've known Ben and, um, you know, kind of played music off and on. And, and she joined my band again in like, or in 2015. And yeah, and then my other bandmate, 
Brian Tulao, like the, the four of us are definitely like a little family. Um, but I have like, you know, different connections with each of them when it comes to writing music. But, um, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I find myself like, it's, it's not very easy for me to, um, like jam, <laughs> like with a lot of people, <laughs> like when, some, when people are like, do you want to jam sometime? Like, it just makes me so nervous. Cause I'm just like, Ugh. but, um, <laughs> I'm getting better at it, actually. Like, it's it's actually a goal of mine to start, like, collaborating one-on-one with new people this year. I'm really excited about it. I feel like I'm ready for it finally. But, yeah, in the past, I was, like, I've, you know, really found my comfort zone with these three people the past few years. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoy writing with them. And uh, it, it's fun with Ben. Like, he'll just be – he plays with, like, analog synths and keyboards and stuff like that a lot. And he'll just be – working on stuff and I'll I'll hear like a a 20 second bit of it and be like all right that we're going to build a song around that and then we'll just take that section and start building a whole new song but yeah I I I personally I um I do very little completely on my own like even my solo work is a collaboration with my comedy partner uh Nick Uh Sahoya who I've been working with for years and I think there's like I think I do my best work with other people because mm-hmm. um, and the people that I work with are so honest with me when something doesn't work that I don't waste any time these days on bits that aren't gonna, yeah. <laughs> that aren't gonna serve me. Really? Um, I mean, it's, it's so special that you've found people that you collaborate so well you. with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really, it's like, um, you know, I think so often when like a, I, I describe drag queens as one person, f- f- like full productions, you know, <laughs> like there's a costume <laughs> department and a hair uh-huh. department, makeup and, and writers. <laughs> and there, it's like, it's, it's a full scale, like a Broadway production all yes. personified into one person. But the same can be said for, you know, basically anyone who gets up in front of people, you know, mm-hmm. there might sometimes be one person that we're all like paying attention to, but that person is a collection of people who help them get to that moment or, totally. or who were working with them earlier that day to get them to mm-hmm. the stage that night. And I, I don't know. I think I, I, I don't, nothing is as it was presented to us as kids, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Wait, was it, I think it was you that posted something the other day that was like, it takes a village to raise like the baby that is the show or something. Was that you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've said like such a similar thing. Like I I really feel like that too. Like the the show and, and the music is like my child in this world as a child yeah. person and um it really does take a village and it's like yeah you gotta appreciate those people for sure hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
talk about the film X, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you um, you created the soundtrack to the A24 horror film X with Tyler Bates and Ben Chisholm, who mm-hmm. you have mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen this movie. Uh, I loved it. I yeah. haven't seen Pearl yet. Um, I know that the Pearl memes are going around, but I mm-hmm. watched um, <laughs> X while I was in London with my husband and my music partner at like 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of blew all of our minds. We had to talk, we had to stay up and talk about it for like another hour afterwards. <laughs> we, we loved it so much. What was that experience like? And do you, would you, have you worked in horror before? Would you work in horror again? (laughs) I'm so glad that you all liked it. And um, (laughs) this was was such a great experience. Um, I've always wanted to work on an original film score. And yeah, my friend Mm -hmm. Tyler Bates invited me and Ben along to do so. Um, My main role was like vocals and vocalizations and Ben and Tyler were working more on like the musical aspects and mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was a uh, really difficult at times because <laughs> as uh, I'm not really great with like gory horror films, like the mm-hmm. stabbing, the stabbing and the yeah. hands getting smashed and things like I, it, it's tough for me. <laughs> so um, <laughs> wa- watching those scenes over and over was a little bit tough, but that said, I think it was such a great movie and so interesting, the subject matter. And yeah, so it was fun. I can't, you know, because I consider myself a horror buff. Slashers mm-hmm. aren't my first go-to. I'm more like, I love okay. like, uh, I love demons. I love ghosts and yes. witches and mm-hmm. I love the supernatural Same. stuff. Yeah. But a well-done slasher is still a very, you know, like I have a, earnest respect for a well-done slasher and that's why mm-hmm. I loved X so much because it kind of felt like it had so many elements of like the classic gore films but like done in a way where if there was CGI used I didn't know it you know like it looked like the best possible version of practical yeah. effects that we have today you know <laughs> yeah yeah they did an amazing job for sure What's yeah. um what's your favorite horror movie? Can you think of it on the top of your head? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um it it's kind of I, I say the shining for the classics and mm-hmm. um the Babadook for uh for contemporary. Oh um, I've never seen that one. I, I'll have to watch it. Oh my god. Just amazing acting performances. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was just to say I, I know my way around a horror movie, but yeah. I've never even considered what it could do to your uh, <laughs> to your mental state or your emotional state to watch a horrifically gory scene over and over and over while you're trying to provide musical yes. accompaniment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it sounds like it was a positive experience overall. Yeah, it was so great. So much fun. Um, if you if you were to score another film, would you want to do another horror, maybe a different type of horror, or are there other types of films you'd be interested in scoring? Um, the kind of horror film that I think I like the best and that I would like to score, if that was a possibility, would be something that's got a romantic element, like Thirst or mm. Let, Let the Right One In. Those are a couple of my favorite ones. Um, oh, wonderful. Or something I, something witchy, for sure, would be fun to score, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be ideal. Are you a practicing witch? Yes. 
I was so yes. excited to find out that you <laughs> are a witch too. <laughs> I it was, you know, um I I credit Pam Grossman for kind of I it, I'm such an analytical pragmatic Virgo that I was like, mm-hmm. surely I can't just decide I'm a witch. Surely I need to let like, <laughs> go to some kind of like uh, I need a certificate or <laughs> and it was it was p- kind of Pam Grossman saying like it kind of sounds like, you know, you're already practicing. You just are a witch or you aren't, Jinx. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I mean, thanks, Pam. That's all I need. I just needed someone from the community to say, yeah, go for it. <laughs> that's hilarious because I had the exact same experience where I was like basically already practicing for years, but I felt like I couldn't just call myself one. And then I went on mm-hmm. Pam's podcast, which is wonderful, <laughs> Witch Wave. And she was like, you're a witch. And I was like, okay. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I love that. That's so great. Um, so I am very open about my um, sobriety. I'm very open mm-hmm. about practicing witchcraft and um, the benefits of therapy, um, mm-hmm. the benefits of mindful medication. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh I have here in my notes that you are celebrating two years of sobriety. Um, would you uh, say that things interweave in your life in similar ways, or is it more compartmentalized? That's a weird question. No, I thought I sense. was gonna. Co- I thought I was gonna have this whole beautiful segue. <laughs> what ended up coming out was me just stating facts and saying so. How do you feel about those facts? (laughs) No, it was beautiful. It it totally makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. Like, I feel feel like my witchcraft practice got so much stronger when I got sober. I mean, obviously, Mm. because my head was finally clear. It was like all the the mind, body, spirit could, like, finally connect to to one another because my body wasn't just all clouded up with, like, alcohol or my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyhow, yeah, getting sober was, like, one of the best things I've ever done. Um, Again, I was also excited to hear that you got sober a few years ago. Was it also two years, or are you at three? I am, I'm, like, past three and a half, getting close Mm. to four. Um, I I do specify I'm sober from alcohol. I still um, utilize cannabis, THC, but... um, Same, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I guess that's called California sober, but something right. about that. I don't know. I, I want to think of a new, uh, uh, a mm-hmm. better phrase for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, I completely agree. One of the best decisions I ever mm-hmm. made for myself. It absolutely, it, it, it um it got me comfortable to talk about it, it got me comfortable with the idea of therapy like something yeah. about when an alcohol was still in my life there was no room for therapy and afterwards mm-hmm. um i was like okay no i really i do need somewhere for these emotions to go yeah <laughs> they can't go in a bottle anymore <laughs> um <laughs> totally is it, is it okay if I say something real quick? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I just I just wanted to say I loved the moment um, at the end when you won the All-Stars 7. You, you <laughs> congratulations, of course. Uh, you, I'm sure you're tired of hearing that right now. Oh, but, um, oh who gets sick of hearing that? <laughs> that's, huh? true, that's true. But I just, I loved how you said something about really wanting to like, take that moment and like letting it imprint on you. I think you said for later, um, that's been a big thing for me in sobriety too, is like 
really taking yeah. in joyful moments and like mm-hmm. sort of saving them up for later. That's been, that's been really cool. Like being present enough to do that. It was just cool. Like I could tell how present you were for that season and, and when you won and everything. It was just, it was a beautiful thing to see. Well, I really appreciate you recognizing that because I would say that is a huge difference in my life today mm-hmm. versus, you know, 10 years ago with season five. I mean, I loved everything about season five. Mm-hmm. There was just, there's just no way for like a 24 year old who is now suddenly like successful overnight. There's no way for that person to really know what what the hell to do. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and there's yeah. no crash course. And people tried to tell me as best they could, but you can't explain to a headstrong 24 year old who's been waiting for this their whole life. Yes. Like, hey, you know, pace yourself, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I did, I did not know how to pace myself either in my 20s. So I feel you. I just remembered um, my segue, if you don't mind, and this is me Mm -hmm. just kind of like, I'm doing a lot of inferring here, so feel free to say, no, you're way off. But um, um, I have, you know, I have a quote from you about, uh, you had to get comfortable with performing live. And then I wonder, you know, with my own experience with alcohol and aspects around my career and realizing that the reason why alcohol had become so important in my life is it did serve a purpose. It made it easier to socialize at events. Mm-hmm. It made it easier to be a social butterfly because that's what people expected of me. Yeah. I wonder if there was anything like that with um uh, maybe anxiety around live performance and and alcohol being so abundant in our field, in mm-hmm. the field of nightlife and entertainment. So um, was there any connection there for you? Yeah, it, it also felt very connected to the social aspect for me. It was more like mm. once the show was done and there was either like a ton of people backstage or I would go out to like the merch table and talk to people for two hours straight. It was like... I didn't know how to do that without being like loosened up by uh, alcohol. And yeah. I was so like outside of my body, just giving so much of my energy to people that I just like, I wasn't even conscious about how much I was drinking. And then by the end of the night, I was just like a mess and then felt like crap in the morning and yeah. um, the cycle continued. But yeah, I, I think like the performance aspect was something that I, I didn't, I definitely, you know, would take like a shot beforehand to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get into like a little bit more of a confident headspace, but uh, it, it was more listen, like after you don't, the show. I took a shot beforehand because my shoe was <laughs> untied. I took a shot beforehand because it was a Thursday. You know? That's, yeah. Like, no, you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> you get it. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. I definitely find that, um, you know, I, I've always said this about myself, but for so long, I kind of didn't believe it because alcohol made it not as, not as true for me. Mm-hmm. But what I really am is an introverted person in an extroverted career. You know, yeah. I love the attention, but I have to step into my public persona 
to mm-hmm. feel okay. I, I'm still terrible at taking compliments. I'm still, you know, like there's still like an introverted person yeah. running the machine, but I've gotten very, very good at stepping into my stage persona um, in my life without alcohol these days. But it used yeah. to be, you know, get me in full drag, give me a shot of vodka, and I can be Jinx for the next three hours, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and totally. I had to remember that, like, it's not the vodka that gives me that power, you mm-hmm. know? The vodka it might be a, a shortcut, you know? <laughs> but It is. It, it's it, exactly it, what it is. It's a shortcut, yeah. It's a shortcut, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, Presentness, I think, is a topic that is going to be, I think we're all going to be talking about being present a lot in 2023. I think that mm-hmm. for me, not just as a as a performer who was, you know, like not able to perform for two years, but as a human mm-hmm. being who was cut off from what I knew as my life for two years, Yeah. Um, I, I feel like there's a deeper appreciation and gratitude. And it came at the perfect time because I was just at the point where I was like, I'm getting too old for this. You know, I was 20, <laughs> no, I'm, I was like 33 <laughs> getting too old for this, you know? But, yeah. Um, what has, what has it been like kind of, uh, what's it been like in your world as we are in these somewhat post-pandemic days. I don't even know. I don't think we can call it post-pandemic because right, I feel right. like this is the new normal and this yeah. is how it's going to be for a while. So I don't want to perpetuate the idea that it's over, everybody. Right. But sure. but now that mean, we're yeah. kind of learning to live with it, how has mm-hmm. how has it been for you? Um, I think I, it's strange because I was kind of approaching burnout even before the pandemic happened. Like I, Mm -hmm. I purposefully took some time off, um, from touring in, uh, in 2019 or was it 2018? I don't know. One of those years. Um, I think it was 2019. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and like, finally, like I adopted two cats and I just stayed home and like wrote an album at home and recorded it at home. And I just really needed some time not being, on the road constantly. And then I did absolutely one tour that fall for my new acoustic album that came out that year. And then the next tour that I did, it was like the day that everything got canceled. So I just (laughs) came home basically, unfortunately. Um, And it was strange because I think that time off that I had taken uh, on purpose sort of prepared me for the pandemic, Mm. uh, which Mm -hmm. was helpful. Um, but at the same time, I was kind of regretting it because I was like, oh, I could have been touring that whole time. And <laughs> now I have to be at home. And like, May and I, I ask what your sign is? <laughs> a Scor- I'm a Scorpio. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, go um, on. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't be. Um, I just, I, there's moments where I'm like, okay, I think I hear a Virgo talking. <laughs> that's so interesting. You well, mean I could is- have been working all that time? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That's maybe my Capricorn rising, like very determined yeah. to get work done. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I also had some like, I'm sure everyone, or not everyone, but many people had like something about age come up, you know, because I was like, oh, it's like the last few years of my 30s and I, I should be on the road and da, da, da. And it, and it was actually yeah. a good thing because it, it kind of like made me reconcile with like, 
fuck that. Like, who cares? Yeah. I, can, I can continue at whatever age that I'm allowed to get back on stage again. And it's going to be just as good and exciting. And so, yeah, that was actually kind of a good lesson for me there. But um, getting back on stage was interesting um, once we could do that because it was like my first, yeah. so it was my first sober shows as well. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which was like less scary than I thought. It was more like the buildup. I was really scared about just yeah. Yeah, yeah, how, yeah. how present I was. Cause I was not used to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I am really here right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but then, yeah, I did like a tour in Australia that was completely sober and it was, I, I had, no problems like getting into that same sort of headspace. I think it just takes a little bit more um, intention and action on your part. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, like we said, it's a shortcut to just like take a shot or two and then be like, all right, I'm ready. But like now I'm like, I pull a tarot card and I <laughs> meditate for a few minutes and I like really yeah. center myself. And, and I did some of that stuff before anyways, but now it's like a lot more important that I make sure to do that before I get on stage so that I'm just like, yes getting present. Oh, I completely hear you. I completely hear you. Um, this has been such a lovely chat. Um, I have one more conversation point I would love to talk with you about before I give you my compulsory questions. Uh-huh. And this, um, this topic is very fascinating to me. Um, I sometimes in the, my most stressful, worn out times in my life, I have experienced sleep paralysis as mm. a symptom of having narcolepsy. Um, oh. I have here in my notes that you um, struggled with sleep paralysis as a child, which landed you in a hospital for sleep studies. Um, so <laughs> um, sleep is such a tricky thing. And I think it gets harder and harder. I think we've, we're learning how much technology is affecting the way we sleep. We're learning how much our daily schedules is affecting the way we sleep. And mm-hmm. sleep disorders are on the rise amongst human mm-hmm. beings. Um, what were your experiences <laughs> with sleep paralysis? <laughs> Granted, my knowledge of sleep paralysis beyond my own brief experiences um, is, you know, memes on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Love it. So talk to yeah. me like I'm an idiot. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, my personal experience was that when I, it still happens sometimes depending on where I'm at in life, mm-hmm. but um, it, basically I wake up and the figures from my dreams are still in the room with me and it's usually like shadow figures and they're usually moving towards me. So I'm not actually um, one of the people that feels physically paralyzed, thankfully, like I can sit up mm-hmm. and uh, greet these figures that are moving toward me, but um, I've definitely come to terms with it now. It used to really freak me out when I was younger and I just didn't understand mm-hmm. and wasn't sure where it was coming from. But I think... Yeah, now I'm I'm really grateful for it because I think this this like realm of sleep and dreams is so interesting as a creative person and I've mm-hmm. you know st- I started reading a lot of books on like lucid dreaming and just trying techniques for that. I, I really love asking um my dreaming mind a question before I go to bed whether that's like writing it on a piece mm-hmm. of pa- paper and putting it under my pillow or just literally asking my, my dreaming mind um, something. And then in the morning, if I've had like a really vivid dream, then I can just sort of like analyze it in regards to that question. Yeah. And I think it's really helpful. 
Um, I, I, I find dreaming extremely fascinating, mm-hmm. um, both from like kind of a spiritual and mystic sense and then also from a psychoanalytical sense. Yeah. But um, I, one of my favorite pastimes with my husband is waking up and telling him about my dreams because I dream like full blown movies. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Uh, a, a, another symptom of having narcolepsy is that I kind of mm. stay in the dream level of sleeping. I never, uh, I very rarely, I shouldn't say never, but I very rarely dip into that deepest, most recuperative level of sleep where your brain uh, kind of sh- acts actually shuts off. Uh-huh. So since I stay dreaming the entire time I'm asleep, my mind stays active, which contributes to me waking up and feeling tired immediately when I wake up. Yeah. But it does also mean I dream some pretty crazy dreams that I like <laughs> swear are two two hours long. Like I yeah. swear, like you know how dream time is different. I'm uh-huh. telling you, like I I see credits roll sometimes. <laughs> I, it, it's wow. that extreme, and I tell That's my cool. husband about it, and he's like. He thinks we should write them down because he thinks sometimes I come up with good stuff, but I think it's all rubbish. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that sounds kind of amazing. I mean, I'm sure narcolepsy is difficult, but at least there's that dream aspect. Hopefully, to yeah, I know yeah. there's bright sides to everything. Yeah. You know, you get if you yeah. have a good sense of humor, there's a bright side to it. I I'm that's able true. to laugh at basically anything. Yeah. Uh, uh, whether oh. for better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have compulsory questions I ask every guest. Um, before I ask them, though, I would love for you to tell my listeners where they can find you, how they can listen to your music. I highly um, recommend the movie X. If you, as you heard from us, it is gory, it is bloody. And, uh, you know, there's some boobs and butts, but it's a very good <laughs> film. <laughs> yes, definitely recommend. Yeah, I'm on Instagram um, with, uh, it's like Chelsea Wolf, but with two C's and two W's. Um, okay. C Chelsea W Wolf. And then, my website is chelseawolf.net and you can sign up for my newsletter there. Um, I'm sort of like in between things right now because I left my record label last year and I'll have some exciting stuff to announce soon though. So yeah, I'll be sharing that um, on the newsletter. I think that's it. Well, it sounds like a perfect time for anyone who is listening who is not already a fan. Um, get in now. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. big things, uh, announcements are coming. Yes. And now's a perfect time to get into Chelsea Wolf. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me on. It's such a joy to talk to you. You are so thank wonderful and on. inspiring. Oh, wow. Well, I, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't like to take compliments. <laughs> Um, these are my compulsory questions. You answer however you feel. Okay. Um, who is your celebrity crush today? Mm, I love Ava Green. <gasps> Ava Green is such a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> I love Ava Green too. Do you, yeah. have you <laughs> reala- have you noticed that she's played every like 
iconic witchy character a character and contemporary yes. like penny exactly. dreadful uh Love. she's so cool mm-hmm. oh my gosh I actually, I don't know. I can't remember. Was Dark Shadows poorly received? Because I freaking loved that movie. I loved it too. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, Helena Bonham Carter, and Ava Green all in one movie. All playing quirky Mm -hmm. femme fatales. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) My next question for you, we (laughs) touch... too no <laughs> my next question we um we talked about this a little bit um but feel free to go into depth um my next question is are you spiritual mm, yes definitely um i've always been a spiritual person i've gone down some interesting paths when i was a kid with religion and then was kind of flailing in my 20s but my tarot deck brought me back to life and mm. brought me to witchcraft and that's been the path I've been following for quite a few years now most of my 30s at least how were you um so like your the, the tarot deck was your gateway to witchcraft is what I'm hearing what, what was your experience like what was your first experience with your tarot deck um someone gifted me one when I was in my early 20s because it was an art nouveau deck and I loved art nouveau and uh-huh. at first I was just into it for the art, but then I just started pulling cards for myself and for friends and just, yeah, found that I, I was just really intuitively connected to it and it gave me really good guidance and eventually started, you know, getting drawn to other tarot decks. And then one day it was just kind of like, I want to know more about where this comes from and what tradition it's part of. And uh-huh. um, yeah, it just sort of led me to start buying books on witchcraft and you know spiral dance is a classic and just <laughs> learning more and more and yeah and then now you got a broom a hat mm-hmm. a witch a cauldron a witch exactly i i love that i think my 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 gateway was crystals and i think i talked to pam uh-huh. about that on on the witch wave um but i've been collecting crystals since i was a kid just because i loved them and uh-huh. i was always convinced i was going to find one that was going to bestow magical powers on me and <laughs> i think it was pam saying but they did jinx they did and yeah, i was like i know okay. it just took me a while to see it you know yes exactly <laughs> oh, i love that um, you mentioned being gifted your tarot card deck. I didn't know this, but apparently you're that you're supposed to be you're supposed to use a tarot card deck that you were gifted. Had you heard that before? I heard it more recently. I mean, I think you know if you need to buy yourself a tarot deck, that's probably fine too. But I, yeah, I can't imagine <laughs> it's going to be like, nope. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna help you intuit anything. Yeah, but I but now I like the idea of gifting people tarot decks just in case they don't have one yet. Me too. I was um, uh, uh, shopping with my friend Hale Appleman, who was a guest on this podcast before, and we both saw this beautiful, like, ornate gold. Like, it looked like it, it looks like Italian Renaissance uh-huh. paintings, and it's like gold leaf and just the bougiest, prettiest tarot deck you've ever seen. The wow. cards slide all over each other, but we don't care because it's so gorgeous. <laughs> um, and we both wanted it, but so we both bought one and then just handed them to each other. 
Oh, I love that. <laughs> Instead of buying them for ourselves, yeah. That's so, perfect. Anyway, fun friend friendship building activity. Yeah. <laughs> My final question for you is, what is your go-to karaoke song? And I think I love asking singers this question the best. <laughs> um, it's, so no pressure. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love doing karaoke. I haven't done it in ages, but um, it's always... Ozzy Osbourne or Black Sabbath, either Snowblind or Changes um, mm. or, or Crazy Train, which I actually got to do with mm-hmm. some friends for like a, a video project during the pandemic. But yeah, I would say Crazy Train or um, Snowblind by Black Sabbath or Ozzy. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I want to know yours. Maybe you've answered it already before, but. I, I think I've answered it, but I, I probably, I have a few go to. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very much what mood I'm in. Um, I think right now I would probably, if I were doing karaoke tonight, I would want to sing maybe this time from Cabaret. That's one of my good go-tos. But I can only, I only sing it at karaoke if I can sing the original key because you try to tell KJ to change the key. 50% 50% of the time, it ends up in some wild key you've never heard before, and then you blow your shot. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that was <laughs> Then an how option. are you supposed to win karaoke? <laughs> I know. How are you supposed to win? <laughs> uh. yeah. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today, Chelsea Wolf. Um, I will be adding your music to my Fem Top Fall playlist. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Um, I wish you so much joy and continued success in your career. I wish you another film soundtrack um, and just congrats on everything. (laughs) Thank you. Exact same to you. Wish you all the success and yeah, thank you for being such an inspiration. Ah, thanks. To all Uh, of us. (laughs) Thank you so much to my sister witch, Chelsea Wolf. And thank you all so much for listening to Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Jinx. Oh. Mom. To listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad-free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio.